Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. to another episode of Movie House Memories, the podcast where we look back and review the films that we think are the most important films in cinema history. I'm Patrick, and with me in a very, very intimate setting is one person who spent a large portion of their lives in a darkened, or of his life, in a darkened movie theater. But as we learn from this week's film, it only takes two people to make beautiful music. <laughs> Did I just steal your opening? <laughs> Uh, he is our resident lumberjack and the man who sees symbolism in his cornflakes. Uh, he is one of the co-hosts of the Criterion Critics and Lunchtime Movie Review Review Podcast here on the MHN Podcast Network. And he has his own YouTube channel that you need to be checking out, viewing and reviewing. Bobby Taylor. Hola. Hola. Howdy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. All right. Well... Welcome, everyone, every, and I'll emphasize the one in everyone. Uh, and before we get started, we'd like to thank all the uh, returning listeners to the show and welcome all new listeners to Movie House Memories. Thanks for downloading us and giving us a try. We appreciate your time and attention and hope you keep on listening and following us on Pinterest or Twitter at MH Memories. On either one of those social media outlets, you can keep yourself informed about our occasional written film reviews and film summaries, news and upcoming theatrical releases and trailers. Uh, and information on many upcoming podcasts on the MHN Podcast Network. Additionally, you can also now subscribe to our YouTube account, as well as subscribe to Bobby's YouTube account, uh, where we are now releasing our podcast exclusively. Uh, Once there, if you subscribe, you can set the bell to ring to give you updates of when we post new material. Uh, You can give us a like or dislike. Uh, You can give us uh, leave a comment about our opinions or the film we're reviewing, or even make a suggestion for a film that you think should be in the top 100 films of all time. Additionally, you can also visit our website at moviehousememories.com and leave a comment about either our podcast, our opinions, or the film that we're reviewing. Uh, Also on our website, you can leave your star review rating of the film that we've discussed so that we can get a consensus rating from the MHN Podcast Network community as to the film. As always, we'd love to hear positive feedback, but we appreciate anything anyone has to say about any of our little shows. Now with the horrible business out of the way, let's get on to Bobby's next pick for one of the greatest films of all time, 2007's August Rush with Freddie Highmore, Robin Williams, and Carrie Russell. And Bobby, do you have a summary? I will, but I will preface it as, folks, this may not be in your top 100. This is just my personal, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So that's what I all our it. picks are, <laughs> our personal top 100. Exactly. Can you tell me a story? August Rush is the story of an orphaned 12-year-old musical prodigy that is untrained in music but believes if he can make enough music somehow in the wind, banging pans, electrical currents, anything that will make a sound, his parents will hear him and return to make them a family. 
This emotional drama starts with the awkward August in an orphanage where he is being bullied for being strange. He sets off on his own and catches a ride to New York City, where he accidentally gets lost near the New York Arch. He intentionally, uh, sorry, he unintentionally befriends a young street musician who takes him back to an abandoned Broadway theater that houses dozens of musically inclined homeless children that live there but have to pay anything they make on the street to a crazy dangerous adult named Wizard who threatens the kids if they don't make enough money. Overnight, August discovers a guitar and starts banging it with such passion and skill, Wizard and the kids realize he's not only a diamond in the rough, he really is a prodigy. Wizard loans August the guitar and teaches him how to play in Central Park to make money and begins exploiting August to become famous, even though August's only goal is to find his parents. Meanwhile, August's mother, Lila, is a renowned concert cellist with an overbearing father who has given up her musical dreams to give music lessons to children after the miscarriage of the child she had with an up-and-coming lead vocalist and guitar player from Ireland named Lewis, who also doesn't realize the boy exists. When Lila's father forces her to leave Lewis after an unintentional one-night stand, she is impregnated, but Lewis never gets her last name as she is whisked off before he can say goodbye. She is in a car accident right before giving birth and is led to believe she had a miscarriage. Lewis, however, has given up music and gone into a lucrative but unfulfilling job in finance over many years. In the meantime, August has started to see the dark, the dark side of Wizard's plan for his career when all August wants to do is play music to find his parents. When the theater is raided by the police, August runs away and ends up in a church where he learns how music is written and he throws himself into learning and writing as much music as he can. The pastor of the church recommends August to Juilliard Music, Musical School on faith, and August is admitted and starts becoming a star student at the school that Juilliard takes his music for the spring concert series in the park. Lila has just found out on her father's deathbed that her father had signed away the child to an orphanage but never gave him a name. She goes to the welfare office where she finds the kindly welfare worker who may know who her child is. At the same time, Lewis has reunited with his band and is playing music again in New York at the same time Lila is in New York to try to locate August. Meanwhile, Wizard has located August at Juilliard and claiming to be his father whisks him away from the school and puts him back on the street playing as he intends on shipping August out to the west to make money off of him. Will Lila ever locate August before it's too late? Will Lewis find Lila after so many years still have a, has a flame burning for him? Will Wizard get the comeuppance he so richly deserves for terrorizing children on the street? And will August get to play his Juilliard concert in the park so all the world and mostly his parents can finally find him so he can have a family? Watch August Rush to find out. Yay! All right. Films are influenced by the times they're made in, and we look back at some of the big news events in Lori Flores's Headlines of the Time Brought to you this month by me. And you got to do it with a high voice, though. Uh, I, well, I, I'm going to go with Lori's theme of death and destruction. So, because <laughs> she always liked to talk for this film. Yeah. News of 2000, uh, and I'm going to focus on the news uh, in the tail end of 2000, the time around uh, August Rush was released, because it was released on November 21st of 2007. 
On November 7th, uh, whistleblower website WikiLeaks leaks the standard U.S. Army protocol at Guantanamo Bay. On November 16th, up to 15,000 people are believed to have been killed after a cyclone after Cyclone Siddhar hits Bangladesh. On December 1st, at the age of 81 years and 244 days old, Queen Elizabeth II becomes the oldest ever reigning British monarch, surpassing Queen Victoria, who was aged 81 years, 243 days, upon her death on January 22nd, 1901. And she's still going. (laughs) I know. It's it's weird to think that this was 15 (laughs) years ago. Wow. Yep. Uh, December 5th, eight people are killed and four others are wounded when a gunman opened fire at the West Roads Mall in Omaha, Nebraska. Unfortunately, a story that continues to happen even to this day. Uh, On December 13th, uh, the Treaty of Lisbon is signed by member states of the European Union. And on December 20th, the Pablo Picasso painting portrait of Suzanne Bloch, together with Candido Portatari's Olavarder de Café are both stolen from San Paulo, the San Paulo Museum of Art. Uh, notable deaths at the tail end of 2007. Uh, on November 10th, author Norman Mailer died of acute renal failure, failure after unge- undergoing lung surgery a few weeks before. On November 30th, Daredevil Evil Knievel died at the age of 69. Uh, he had been suffering from diabetes and idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and on december 12th did they sprinkle his ashes in the grand canyon no just saying just asking. they tried to throw him across but it only made it part way so. <laughs> and blew back onto him right uh december 12th uh controversial singer songwriter ike turner died of a cocaine overdose uh movies released in november of 2007 include the movie american gangster fred claus lions for lambs no Country for Old Men, a film we've previously reviewed on the show, Enchanted, and of course, Bobby's pick for one of the greatest films of all time, August Rush. And that is the news. All right, we usually start by talking about the casting. And this case, we have Freddie Highmore uh, playing Evan Taylor or August Rush, however you want to know, uh, call him. Bobby, your pick, so I'll let you start. What did you think of Freddie Highmore in this film? I thought he was wonderful. And it, he plays, uh, I know today he plays um, an autistic doctor. Uh, I forget the name of the movie or the TV show. The but Good Doctor. The Good Doctor. And he's he, I, he plays just about, the, these characters are just kind of have these little bit of an off feel to them, but that's where he excels. I think, you know, he's an extremely intelligent actor that plays, uh, he plays so well to the supporting cast that uh, he he makes it seem like he's genuinely that character. So I and I did understand that he actually learned how to play the guitar, obviously not as great as a, a prodigy would, but he played it well enough so that they could film him uh, actually playing. So I think that that is also a plus uh, in his um, in his positives. So I, I really really loved him. I don't think I don't think any uh, young actors would have been able to play it as well as he did. Honestly, I would have really been interested to hear Matt's take on a on the the child actor and to see what he would have thought of him. I know Freddie Highmore from The Good Doctor. I don't watch the show, but I know he was in it. And I remember him as a child in Finding Neverland and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But it's like this huge gap. I didn't even realize he was in this film. I remember hearing of this film 
and but it was just one that passed me by and I just never caught it until you suggested for the podcast and now I've re- reviewed it and I agree with you he does a stellar performance and and the fact that you're telling me he learned to play guitar is even more impressive to me that you know that he was that de- dedicated as, as an artist to to know that it was important for him to be able to play it uh, believably on camera in the film and I, I, I thought he was very charismatic in that role and in a, in a film with what should I say better known actors around him to be able mm. to draw the, the, the focus of the, the movie goer or the, the watcher to you when Robin Williams is sharing the screen with you, that's an accomplishment. That's a major accomplishment. And I, and he did that for me is that I was more interested in his performance than Robin Williams's performance at most of the times when they were sharing the screen. Speaking of Robin Williams, and since there's only two of us, I'll go first on Robin Williams. <laughs> so I'll let you have the, the retort. I love Robin Williams as an actor. I did not like him as the villain in the piece. I mean, I, it just it, it didn't sit with me very well. Now, I thought he did a good job at it, but I like seeing him as almost the man child aspect, you know, a la toys, a la hook. Uh, you know, a lot, most of a lot of his film roles, and I expected him to be a little bit more kind of uh, when I when he when he first appeared on screen to be give guidance to this to to uh, uh, August as to what music could really mean, and I didn't expect him to be kind of like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of this kid. So it was really off putting for me to see him in that type of role, especially since I have not seen him, you know, in a new film you know, in a long time, because uh, unfortunately his passing that came a few years after this. Well, I will agree as much as I absolutely adore Robin. I've probably said this many times on previous podcasts, but Robin is one of my all time favorite actors. And even when he plays a bad guy, he usually is, is pretty spot on with the characters that he plays in this one. To be honest, I think he was miscast. I think that he was, he was too warm and fuzzy the the robin williams that we all know and love was not intimidating or dangerous enough to play this character and uh, the character that the actor that comes to mind who probably was a little too young for the role at the time would have been somebody like a michael shannon he was is dangerous to children and robin was more like the the older man child that carried a switchblade um you know with mutton chops and i think behind the scenes i'm sure the kids absolutely loved having robin williams on that set and they were probably joking it up but that also i believe could have affected how the how they reacted to him when they were on film where he did not have that edge of a dangerous you know, child, ultimately a child abuser uh, or endangerment type of personality. So, yeah, I will agree. I, I don't think Robin was at his best in this film and it wasn't his fault. It was the it, it's, it's just they put the wrong actor into the position. He just did the best he could with what what he is. What about uh, Jonathan Reese Myers and Carrie Russell playing Lewis Connolly and Lila Novacek, who are the biological parents to Evan Taylor? 
You know what's really odd about this? I'm glad you brought them up together because they are a very odd couple. And and even in the film, you kind of go, okay, she's this you know classically trained cellist, and he's this rock singer um, from Ireland. You know, she's American, he's Irish. They fit. They were odd. Both of them were odd, and that's what made them so special as a couple for one night. And you got to remember, this was only one night in their life that conceived an extremely odd but extremely musically gifted child as well. So I think between having those two hook up for one night and ultimately fall in love but just get ripped apart by her father, which was sad. And and I like the way that that he didn't know her name until much later in the film. Um, She just vanished. And uh, and then to have a child that comes out as August Rush did – I really, really liked that, and I thought Carrie Russell and Jonathan Reese, uh, or you know Lewis and Lila, I thought they played their characters really well for what they had. Uh, you know, they were the they were the support to what August was heading towards. But I thought they were very they were strong in what they did. They weren't asked to do a lot, and I think they pulled that off. <laughs> well, I I agree with you on that. They are very peripheral characters. To the ultimate story this was a kind of this is uh freddie highmore's film and, mm-hmm. and and as they say that you know that he he's drawing the spotlight surrounded by a lot more well-known actors it, you know and what someone when he hadn't talked about is terrence howard in this as well <laughs> that he, i mean he did he had a very small but important part in the film but I agree with you. The chemistry between these two uh, actors, and maybe it's because they worked together previously on Mission Impossible Three uh, shortly before this, is mm. you know that they have a familiarity with your with each other that ultimately works. But you know, I I, I can't say I'm a, an extreme fan of either one of them. Um, I've seen them and stuff. I can't say that I hated their their performances. <laughs> you know, Carrie Russell will always be uh, Felicity. <laughs> um, isn't that the truth and and i and i've seen a he's couple the tutors he's the tutors. yeah and i and i knew him for the tutors although i think that didn't that come after this or maybe it was around the yes. same time so yeah, about the same time actually. Yeah. yeah so uh so i will always know them better for other things but i liked them in this film and i thought their their performances uh, actually worked really well and they they have chemistry but uh, i i you know they're obviously very attractive people, so it works that two attractive people end up creating, you know, a a wonderful little boy who has the musical gifts of both combined in them at the same time. So, well, and let me bring up that the the scene that uh, I'm not, it's not a spoiler alert, but ultimately they end up where Jonathan, where Lewis and August are in the same scene together, just jamming. And I just thought that was a special moment, you know, because we knew as the audience what was going on, but they didn't. And it was it just looked like two two genuine musicians enjoying the moment in their life. And I just I thought that was a, a really wonderful moment. No, I, no, I agree with you. It's at that point, I, you know, wanting so much for them to figure it out. And right. Uh, you know, that. <laughs> what how they're related to each other but it was it was it was a one of my favorite scenes in the film yep but and how would they know and that's the whole point it was just like there's no way they would have known so it was it was played well all right bobby what about symbolism and hidden meanings well this was a kind of a hard one i did come up with two um there's probably more but 
I have August playing the huge organ in the rafters of the church, symbolize the same tortured soul hiding under a false name or a mask in the darkness, like the Phantom of the Opera, who was ultimately trying to find love in this world through playing mesmerizing music to be heard by those he loved the most. And then I have the New York City Washington Square Arch symbolized so many moments throughout August's life, even before he was created. Uh, and I and examples were his parents made love on the rooftop as Wizard played the played their song under the arch lewis attempts to meet lila at the arch but he was rejected august arrives in new york and meets a street kid near the arch wizard gives august his big break near the arch august meets lewis near the arch as they play dueling guitars lewis runs toward the concert in the park from the limousine toward the arch at the times it's the beginning of something and at other times it symbolizes the ending of something but it's it's huge in august's life okay I, I, I can't disagree with you on that, that, they, that, you know, that obviously they intended that has, uh, you know, a, for lack of, it's the centerpiece to the entire film because so many major events happen around that. And it's such a, they only had one permit for the whole film. <laughs> yeah, you can work there at the arch. Well, that's right. We, we were hoping to get the statue. No, you get the arch. You don't get the statue of Liberty. Right. <laughs> We're saving that for the Sopranos prequel. You can't have that. <laughs> and in 2007, they were all waiting for a Sopranos prequel. That's what that right. is. Had- hey, this is the second movie in a row, isn't it? Didn't we watch uh, When Harry Met Sally? They, they, uh, she dropped him off at the arch. That's true. At the very beginning. Yeah. That's where yep. they part company in the 70s. So. Mm-hmm. Matt's moral universe. So uh, Matt's not here. <laughs> so uh, Bobby and I are going to try to wing through this. So this is my thought because something that was bothering me is everyone recognizes this gift that Evan or August has, and they're always pushing him forward. But there's always this, when you have like a child like that, I'm always a little bit bothered by, even though they may have an, an amazing gift is that when you push them forward like that, are they able to deal with that? And the fact that it, it, no one seems to ask the question, you know, hey, here's this kid we found on the street. Yeah. Uh, but he can write music like you can't believe. Oh, well, let's immediately throw him in front of an orchestra and put high pressure on him because I'm sure he has no issues whatsoever <laughs> at all that he's dealing with you know, the fact that he doesn't have parents and he was living on the street and stuff like that. And it just seems like everyone just seems to focus in on the gift and not worry about the mental health of this child, because even everybody who has a conversation with him, Oh, I need to play the music so my parents can find me. Okay. That seems a little, I mean, it's poetic in the point in the the course of a two hour movie whether you know ultimately they're going to be reunited, but in a real world situation, that's a little special needs. Yeah, Yeah. it's exactly that. It just seems that no one was actually giving this kid the help that he so desperately needed. And that, and that was a little, uh, that always was in the back of my head. It's like, if you saw a kid say that you'd have to say that kid needs some assistance. And and I think that's the I I 100 percent in your in your corner with that one because I thought the same thing when he was in the orphanage it just seemed like he was left to the wolves you know I mean the the bullies beat up on him because he was weird and even his own even his little best friend who was his best friend from for the first scene of the film and then he disappeared 
you know, the guy that dropped him off in uh, out of a what a fish truck in the middle of New York City, and the kid just vanishes. Here's fifteen bucks, kid. You know, wait around for the for the officer to show up. You know, yeah, sure, that's gonna happen. Yeah, you know, this odd kid that he's, you know, it, it everything about it. Yeah, I, I agree. He just he seemed way out of touch and then of course he gets put into the this horrible situation with a true you know child abuser um you know or terrorizer i don't know he he didn't abuse children we never saw him abuse anybody he just threatened everybody so i don't know what he was he was just bad for the kids and i i don't think that especially at Juilliard when you they Juilliard i'm assuming and again i don't know anything about Juilliard but I'm assuming there has to be a background check of some kind to know where the kid came from, um, at least a birth certificate or something. They wouldn't have just accepted August Rush, the name off the side of a of a truck, as his full name. Even if it's a street name, he still has to have some sort of ID. And, and they just accepted him. Through, like you said, they threw him out in front of the public and said, look, at here's basically baby Mozart um, you know, today and watch him shine. When the kid, like you said, he could crack at any second <laughs> and, you know, who knows what could happen um, in front of thousands of people. So, yeah, I, that 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 didn't set well with me as well. Um, we also got to talk about the one night stand um, <laughs> in Matt's moral universe well, because it was a one night stand. Correct. Um, but then again, you know, everybody – especially in that time or in that situation would have at least considered the possibility of two people that just found each other for a night, you know, just fell in love and got ripped apart the end. And you also have to think about the uh, giving the child away that wasn't yours to give away in the first place from dad. That was that was horrendous to do that to a child, make the mother, make your own daughter who gave, who thinks that she miscarried and the baby's dead and not even tell her until your deathbed that she's got a 12 year old child out there somewhere with no name. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my, pro another problem with my, the film is like, how is that even possible? You know, how he how, forged her name. <laughs> yeah. He's going, he's dying. So he can't go to jail. Well, really? <laughs> The, you know, the woman who's unconscious in the room down here uh, signed that. That's that's interesting. Huh? Wow. That's the, <laughs> you yep. don't want to double check that, you know, and uh, and oh, yeah, no, no, no. You, she signed it. I'm just telling you. OK, well, this is giving away a child. Shouldn't we have a notary or somebody there who's, who's going to see her actually sign that? <laughs> that? That was a little stretch of credibility as far as the legality of being able to give away a child with very, very little verification. <laughs> so. Well, what I did like was how – and I'm sorry. It was realistic. It was realistic. I didn't like it, but it's realistic. When she went to um, the city of New York or state of New York, whatever it was, and to find her child, and the first thing the lady said is, why did you give him up? Or, or I guess Terrence Howard, why did you give him up? And she's like, I didn't know he was he, – that he existed. It was a very real – conversation right there yes. because you know I, I felt horrible for her and i also felt terrence howard or whoever was was the anger at giving up a child just throwing him away when he's a good kid you right. know who knew who knew who knows what he's going to turn into you just didn't give him a chance right i mean although at that point i don't think i'm trying to remember the sequence that 
that he knew that she was the mother of Evan. He didn't know. And that's what he, he she said, I'm trying to find my son. And she, he goes, I just got a question. Why did you just give him away? You know, and she's he's just like, you didn't even try. And she's like, I didn't know he existed. And then he starts going, well, you know, I'll, I'll check at the database. Then she walked to the wall, saw the picture. And, and from then on, it was like, OK, now they're working together. But but he was genuinely upset that she just threw him away and now 12 years later is coming out of nowhere to find this kid and she didn't know. So there's, I, that has to happen more often out there. And I'm sad for all of those people that have gone through that. That's horrifying. Well, you know, I think it can happen. Um, but I think Mm -hmm. the the way that happened this film, I went, yeah, it's probably, Oh yeah. No, it was Hollywood. Yeah. What about the music in this film, Bobby? I mean, obviously, (laughs) music is the core, is the center point of this film. Uh, film, Music composed by Mark Mancina. What did you think? I I mean, you laugh because I'm assuming you're going to say here it's so important and so crucial. It is. Actually, that's the point of this film um, is the music. That's that's how August is going to reach his parents. His parents were both musicians themselves. I mean, basically teaching the kid how to play, how to write music, going to Juilliard, you know, have, holding a concert in the in the park. I mean, everything about this film is built around music. And if you don't have uh, have a kick ass soundtrack for it. Um, that's kind of cutting edge, at least for its day, is something that's special. And I honestly, I, I just found out that Michael Hedges was the originating or the uh, inspiration for the type of music that they were playing in it, which I'd never heard before other than in this film. And so I sought him out, and he's amazing. So you, you have the this this unique guitar slash concert musician that is just fantastic with a guitar in his hands he's just a a a prodigy i listen to this music this soundtrack honestly it's in my regular rotation um whenever i want to feel something this is the one i play it's just it's really inspiring to me now it may not be for everybody out there but it it truly touched me no i'm gonna agree with you I, i i don't know I probably because I can probably get it off iTunes. I'll probably download it and listen to it. But I really was kind of like I really like the approach to the music, even the way he plays the guitar. You know, mm-hmm. just was just so fascinating. Like, wow, I never thought of someone playing the guitar in that way. Um, but yeah, it, we we watch Eddie Van Halen growing up. You know, and right. and I mean his his fingers walking up and down a, a keep or a, a the the board of the guitar that's the fingers walking it was something that's special to me that i saw from the the 70s and 80s for him to bang on the guitar and use it as a drum at the same time that was brand new to me i'd never seen that before and that's when i found michael hedges who that's he was doing that in the early 90s so it's and and he by the way is no longer around but that when they talk about the number one acoustic guitarist of all time, he's the number everybody's unanimous number one because hmm. he plays just like August Rush hmm. or better. I now have to look him up as well. So, <laughs> all right, ending of the film. Uh, you get August makes it to Central Park, uh, conducts the orchestra, playing the music. His mother and father both drawn to it. Actually, his. 
Uh, she's there. <laughs> she's there to perform at a previous section of the concert. His his portion of it is the culmination of it, but the music draws her back. Now his father is drawn there because it, it, I'm trying to. I know he knows from August that August is going to compose there, but he sees her picture, and so or, no, her uh, name, her name. Sorry, and. And then he goes to the concert looking for her, but he's drawn to the music as well. And it leads it leads him to her at the front of the audience watching August uh, conduct the orchestra. You don't get that a moment of everybody embracing you, just everybody smiling at each other. What did you think of the ending of the film? Well, as much as what you're saying actually makes sense and is accurate in every way possible, and there's no way, by the way, that he can jump out of a limousine three miles away and make it by the end of that song. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> unless it's a, a two-hour <laughs> concerto, there's no way, especially in Boots, he's not running across Central Park at night. But um, that aside, you know – I just watched this again for the podcast, and I've seen this movie probably 10, 10 or 12 times now since I first found it. And I still cry at the end, um, or at least tear, you know, a tear comes out because as a parent, knowing that my long lost child is there on stage doing something stupendous that I, ne I never would have fathomed a child of mine being that gifted. And I didn't even know he existed, you know, what, six months ago or whenever is something that and, – and for them to find themselves together, standing there together, watching him succeed uh, at the, the moment that all three of them come together, as hokey as it sounds, I loved that ending. I just thought it was really wonderful for him to finally find them after a lifetime of searching for them when he knew the music would bring them together. And sure enough, they did. Yes, it's a Hollywood ending. It fit. You know, it's the ending. It's the only way this film could have ended was the yeah. uniting. Um, <laughs> nope. Wizard wins. <laughs> Ships him to West Coast. Bye. Yeah, and and, and he makes money. He becomes the right. next. Uh, the yeah, he becomes a artist. rock star drunk, and <laughs> yeah, he joins a boy band. <laughs> right. Yeah. Worse. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so obviously, it is the ending that is the only way this film could have ended. I thought it was a little Hollywood. The mm -hmm. the drawing the parents there. I you know I thought I I didn't think you had to have it that that uh, overly soupy or dramatic you could have had his mother just there watching the concert and she's seen his picture already you know it, 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 when she was visiting with terrence Howard, so she knows what he looks like so she could have been there and but that was a different name remember that was under evan taylor correct but he's August on the stage his... he's on the stage she could see him you know <laughs> she could see him that could be enough right there uh, and then having you know you ha already drew the connection for the father to get there uh, based on seeing her name was going to be performing. So, you know, that, that, that could have led him there and that it would, then you, you could have had that like kind of just the connect the dots, you know, to that. This is who she was looking for. And he was, she was who he was looking for. And then at that point in time, every, a, a complete understanding. I think that, I, I think it was spoon fed a little bit too uh, sugary for me. And I, and I have immense questions also of like what happens next, 
know? Yes. I, I, the, the, what happens next is very much a real question in this film. Yes. You know, because like, that's a messed up kid. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, a, a messed up kid that has, you know, been placed into a system that getting the kid out of that system is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> so uh, once again, my unfortunate reality inter- interrupts my fantasy movie world uh, logic, but uh, that, that just, I, I, I had, you know, I, I didn't dislike the ending. I thought it was just overly sentimental is, is, and I, and I could have done with a little bit of realism on how we deal with this. Even if you would have had, if if you'd had a conversation between them with him saying kind of like, you know, uh, no, I knew you'd find me because my music brought you here. And even them giving like a very like puzzled look or worried look of like, we need to get this kid help. (laughs) Well, and and to be completely fair, he didn't know what they looked like. They or she was the only one of the three that knew what he looked like, you know. Uh, he had met his dad, but for all he knew, that was just some some you know guitarist out in the park somewhere. Right. So all of that, I agree. It, it was, it, and I think that to use the the title of the film, it was rushed at the end. <laughs> H- had they have thought that through, I think they could have probably done a, a little more organic of a finish. But like I said certain people you know specific people that that are expecting i I don't know eloquence and intelligence they may be disappointed in this um or you know reality they'll be disappointed but those that are expecting a hollywood ending they're going to definitely get it all right film's legacy nominated for one academy award unfortunately winning none uh lost a Best original song for the song Raise It Up, lost to the song Falling Slowly from Once, uh, not on any AFI list, was made into a stage adaptation in 2019 in Aurora, Illinois, but I couldn't find any information on if it's still playing or if it, where it had gone from there. Unfortunately, that was right before COVID hit, so I have fears that it didn't go very long. And then <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. This one surprises me. 37% yes. critics. 82% audience. I mean, there is a definitive split there between audience and critics. So, uh, I, you know, I'll go first since it's, this is your pick and I'll give you the final word. I thought that, I, I thought this was a really good movie. I, I, I never seen it. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, yeah, it was a little overly sentimental, but I don't, I'm okay with overly sentimental sometimes. Uh, this That's kind of what this film was about. I wish it would have been a little less sentimental at certain points and been a little bit more realistic and less uh, fantastical, if you will. But I, I still enjoyed the ride. I still like going on it. Now, that being said, it's nowhere near my top 100 films of all time. but. Sure. I liked it. I, you know, I did have a, a good time watching it. I, I, you know, it's, it's one now I own. Uh, so I'll probably uh, get an opportunity to watch it again, but I really liked the music aspect of it. I enjoyed the musical performances in it. And I liked the performances of all the actors with the exception of Robin Williams, who I think was slightly miscast. Uh, I, I didn't like him as the heavy. Uh, he didn't play it as well. Uh, and especially a heavy against kids. And you mentioned earlier that the, the insinuation is that he, f- he abuses the kids um, because he kind of is like their ringleader, if you will, a, a, a modern day Oliver Twist. Uh, but uh, I didn't. 
you know, I, I, I think that they made a good decision in not showing him being physically abusive with the kids. Yes. Cause then I think the audience would not have been able to, to stomach that coming from Robin Williams. And so they, they toned it down and insinuate without actually showing it. But uh, I enjoyed the film, not my top 100, but Bobby's pick. So he has the final say. Before I say what, uh, why, why were you so surprised at the 37 to 82% critics I, I, to, this audience? is not that, this is not a bad movie. This is not a bad movie. <laughs> so not, not, I'm, I'm sorry. I, maybe I didn't clarify that audiences got it right. Critics got it wrong. And I, and I'm just shocked, sh- utterly shocked to see a 37% on this film because it has some drawbacks and it has some um, problems with it, but I don't think it to the point where this is a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. There's a lot of positives and a lot of pluses, a good cast. You've got generally good acting. You got one miscast, but you know, I didn't even know Robin Williams was in the film until I saw his name in the credits. And then I went, Oh, Robin Williams is in this. I mean, so this is, that's not what I knew this film for. That's not what brought me to this film. And and then you put that in a setting of, I really liked, you know, I liked seeing films in New York. We just reviewed one previously with when Harry met Sally. And I think it, you, New York is a very interesting city to shoot films in. And I think that they did a good job with that. You know, there's some bad areas obviously, but uh, I don't think they spent a lot of time on that. And I, I can't believe that the critics were that harsh on it at the time, because I just don't see what, was so so bad that you you would say uh, that this this is a horrible film. I agree one hundred percent with what you're saying, and, and I'm looking at the IMDb site right now. The IMDb rating is seven point five out of ten. It is a PG movie. It's not PG thirteen. It's PG in two thousand and seven. There's this is a family movie, you know, with the exception of a few scary situations of of wizard and uh, August. There's very little that's offensive to families. This is actually a really good family film. The the thirty seven percent to eighty two percent to me solidifies exactly what I think of this film, which is the critics originally did not understand what this film was, and they just raked it across the the coals. They didn't give it a chance, and I discovered this film probably two years after it was in the theater, and because of a kid recommended it saying, Hey, you should watch this. It's actually a good film. She was like 12 or 13. She was one of my players on my soccer team. And so I'm like, okay, I'll watch the film. And I watch it with my family. And we were just like, this is great. So that's the 82% uh, audience. So this is a film that is not going to be in anybody's top 100. It's mine because it's special to me. I love films about, actors or or characters that go on a journey to discover who they are and they show on screen how they become so it's kind of like this is similar to like the red violin it talks about the the violin and how it 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 grew people and and all there's a lot of different kinds of those uh films that extend the story to to show you the growth of a character and I, I really appreciate that august is one of those things this is also one of those movies that has a soundtrack that i'd never heard before that was special to me it just touched my heart and so it 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 shines brighter than it probably would for most people but i believe this is also a film that most people would um, if they give it a chance, they will enjoy it. Just like you said, uh, you'd never seen it before. You never heard of it before, but you put it on 
you enjoyed it. And that's all this film, I think, was intending. It, you know, like you said, Robin's wrong, but most of the rest of the film's pretty right. And I think that it just seems like this is a film that if it was discovered by a family, they'd probably enjoy it as much as you did in your first viewing. So it is in my top 100 as a a, a uh, emotional choice. This is not a f- grand film on the Godfather level of films, but it's one that I would love and I would en- I would encourage other people with families to watch as well. All right. Well, that does it for this month's review of August Rush. Thanks again for joining us and listening to our little monthly podcast. If you've had a good time, the fun doesn't have to stop here. As we stated before, you can follow us on Pinterest or Twitter at MH Memories. On either one of those social media outlets, you can keep yourself informed about our occasional written film reviews and film summaries, news on upcoming theatrical releases and trailers, and information on many upcoming podcasts on the MHN Podcast Network. Again, don't forget to subscribe to both our account, the MHN Podcast Network, and Bobby's account on YouTube, uh, Viewin' and Reviewin', uh, where you can get updates. If you subscribe to our account there, you can get updates as to when we post new material, uh, and you can give us a like or dislike. Uh, leave a comment about our podcast, our, our opinions, or even the film we're reviewing, as well as leave us a suggestion for a film that you think should be in the top 100 films of all time. Of course, we always like the reviews that are positive, but we appreciate any feedback that we can get from any listeners of the show well that does it for this episode of movie house memories join us next time when matt will be back and we'll be reviewing his next pick for one of the greatest films of all time and he is nominating 2019's 1917 don't get those backwards it's 2019's (laughs) 1917 Uh, until then i'm patrick and i'm listening to the wind (laughs) and we'll see you all next time at our house podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme music for Movie House Memories, Hiding Your Reality, is provided courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the MHM Podcast Network, Movie House Memories, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted.